Quickly, anything you want to say to any of your fans? Ah, uh, fans, we did it. Ah, uh, get some beers, get some whatever, <laughs> and start celebrating. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Washington Capitals, baby. Woo! <laughs> he didn't yeah. want to let Backstrom down. He didn't want to let OV down. If I go to Rocket Bar, I know I'm getting pretty fucked up. I think this is a good player. He's a very good, skilled player. The Hurricanes are fucking garbage. Dude, if you played the Bowie Bruins back in the day, you knew this play. What it do, DMV? It is episode 61 of Chirpin' DMV on the two-year anniversary of the Caps becoming Stanley Cup champions. Games have been on all day. It's been two years. This beautiful, well, it's June 8th, if you're listening, Monday, but yesterday, Sunday, today, the day we're recording, it's June 7th, and the Caps are Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, it's pretty fucking dope. I've been watching all day. Um, and I, dude, when they do the the ceremony, when like OV first lifts the cup and they're playing the Remember the Titans uh, yeah, song. I'll, I'll, back, I'll, yeah, I'm just sitting here watching it right now. <laughs> I like I started tearing up again. Yeah, so did I. Well, I don't think I've ever watched because I just watched the entire like twenty minutes from the end of puck drop to like when they finally lift the cup. It because there there's a lot of time to get everything set up. But I think because we were in DC, we'll get to it here in a minute. We were in DC, so we didn't really like watch it because it was on that big screen on the fucking right. TV. So and I've watched highlights of the games. I've watched the documentary a million times. But I've never watched that. I guess that. 10 to 20 minutes of the in-between shit so that that was kind of neat watching all that yeah yeah the music uh really syncs up perfectly when Obi lifts the cup and all it's awesome yeah they just showed the part like i was telling kp um because ever since i got home today I, I, I flipped it on just had it on in the background kind of all day just watching it doing shit they just showed the part where they skate by and the girl flashes her tits up against the glass nice. and everybody's like pointing at her <laughs> i forgot i don't know how i forgot about that but that that's a great part um, yeah, rewatching some of these games. It's been kind of nuts. KP, you remember like where you were that night, what you were doing? I uh, watched the actual game at Bar Louie and then uh, was trying, trying to get outside, tried to get in the mix of things, but it was too packed. So we went back into the bar and just kept drinking. Yeah, AB, we were at, we got to Turtle at what time? Like two o'clock that day? Like three. Yeah, I was going to say we early. We got there like two or three. We were like the first people in Green Turtle at the arena all day because we wanted to get there, wanted to like eat and shit and just start pounding beers and so we sat at green turtle until the end of the second period so we're at green turtle drinking obviously green, green turtle just gets stupid crazy packed you can't move in there we're at the bar there at that point there's like 20 of us because it was like brandon Baum and all those guys met up with us and we're like stuck up at the bar at this point and that's when um Sorry, I keep watching this shit, getting distracted. TJ is giving a speech now. But uh, so they Vegas scores, right? The one that Juice interferes with. And then everyone in the bar is like, starts getting pissed. Like, uh, blah, blah, blah. No goal, no goal. And then remember, they called it a goal and then we challenged it. Yeah, right. And everybody in the bar was like, oh, it's not going to be a goal. It's not going to be a goal. And as soon as they showed the first replay, AB like literally turns to me and just goes, fuck. <laughs> and I'm shaking my head. And everybody in the bar is like cheering now because they think the goal is going to get called up. Just because we challenge it, me and AB are looking at each other like, fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, for, I, I don't remember the play because I, I actually didn't watch that part. And I do remember doing that. I don't remember the play, like, at the, at the top of my head, though. But I do remember looking at you like, dude, like, 
I don't know what everyone's that's a good watching. Goal. Yeah, yeah, that's a good goal. And then, so the second period ends, we're down three to two. And I immediately look at you and go, all right, we got to close our tabs. We got to get the fuck out of here. Like, we got to go outside. Green Turtles, bad juju. <laughs> we got to go out. Yeah. So we went out and then spent the whole third period out there. And then didn't have, a, didn't have the best view, uh, but we could still see one of those big TVs. And holy shit, it was just nuts out there. I, I was looking at my Snapchat story today, like the memory thing. And I was like, oh, we were buzzing. Oh, yeah. And so in that game, like, when OV scored, I think we were losing, but OV scored. Were we winning or losing when he scored? It was 1-1. OV scored, like, 20 seconds after Vegas tied it. So we go okay. up one nothing, then it's 1-1, and then OV scores make it 2-1. When OV scored, I was like, we're winning this game. All right, we're going to win the cup. Like, as soon as he scored, I was just like, we're going to win it. That was when it, like, clicked for me. And then, like, it was still, like, a still long game. I mean, they had the lead, obviously, and we still had to make a comeback. But I don't know what it was when OV scored, and I was just like, dude, this is over. Like, we're going to win this. Yeah, at that point, we had all the momentum. I mean, it just felt like it, and it just – I mean, they, they just kept playing a, a full 60 minutes, and that's how they ended up winning that game, I felt like. Dude, you know what I said to my dad today? Huh? I, I looked at – we were watching one of the games, and I just looked over at him, and I just was like, why the fuck did we not re-sign Barry Trotz? Yeah. <laughs> like, <so laughs> Didn't want to pay him. Dumb. So dumb. So dumb. He's like it, – it'd be like not re-signing fucking – I mean, not Belichick, but like Andy Reid. Yeah. But, I mean, it was kind of a shitty situation where I think the Caps were going to let him go if we didn't make it past that second round. And when we ended up making it past, I think Barry Trotz was just already on his mindset that he's gone either way. Yeah, it was, yeah it, was, it was totally – It was totally how he was treated, I felt like. Yeah. I mean, you remember, was it uh, the, Joe, the Joe B interview when he was like – dude, he even said like during that season like multiple times, Barry would come up to him on the plane and be like, yeah. Or he would be like, I don't know if I'm getting on the plane tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. I, it, like, I mean, we we all saw it, and we were again, we were talking about it, and we thought it was kind of media bullshit at the time when it came up, because right. um, everyone saw what he said to Tortorella after that first round. He said, "I'm gone. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm gone after this year, or something like that." Yeah. And, oh yeah. And everyone was speculating like what he said, and I was just like, "Nah, that's just all media bullshit. Like, they're gonna resign him." and all this shit, and then all of a sudden, we don't have Barry Trotz as a head coach after he wins us the Stanley Cup. I'm just, like, so fucking stupid. And he goes to a divisional rival, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we were like, we have to go outside. We had to change up the fucking juju a little bit, and we did, and it worked out, and we went nuts, and then we hit, like, three or four bars or something like that. I couldn't even tell you what happened that night. Dude, yeah, we just went all over the place. Like, and we're I was just going, We were just following the mob. Yeah. And I was looking for – um. Like Johnny and them were there too, so I was like kind of yeah. trying to catch up with them for a little bit, but they just they were nowhere to be found. Remember, we lost. Once the Johnny game D? was over, it was too hard to find anybody. The whole okay. streets were like just way too packed; couldn't move. We lost Johnny D. He had to get a hotel because his phone died. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was nuts. But yeah, I remember that one. We were at some like German bar maybe, and I remember sitting at the table just fucking hammered. Just blacked out and ordered like four hundred dollars worth of Caps merchandise off my phone, just like bang, bang, and then just all I remember started you coming texting in us over about the Ah, <sighs> yeah, that was a good time. So, weekend, KP, you just got back from golf. How was your weekend, man? What all did you do? Yeah, just uh, hit the links Saturday and Sunday. Played some golf. Played some nice courses. Uh, watched that UFC fight Saturday night. Amanda Nunes was a good fight. Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt, knockout. awesome knockout. Yeah, knockout of the year. I think it's my second favorite knockout. 
uh, after McGregor's. He's kind of like dodging the kid, dodging the kid, and then bangs, fucking sticks him, and it's boom, horn. Yeah, it, right at the round. buzzer, too. It was right at the end of the second round. It was awesome. Electricity. Yeah, solid, solid knockout. How'd you shoot? It was the first time you've golfed this year? This yeah, summer? first couple times, or second, third time. So I shot 93 and 94, playing consistent, but not not too well. Okay, well, welcome back. AB, how was your weekend, even though I spent about half of it with you? I was going to say, you were there. Uh Nice little Bay House day yesterday. Got fucking lit up. Bay uh, House was fun. Uh, didn't go out <laughs> the boat or anything, but yeah, I mean, it was it was just like what five or six of us just playing cornhole. Yeah, it was like yeah, like five or six of us, and then Tammy and Scott and Kaylee, and we were just all chilling. Yeah, it was a pretty yeah. good time. Just playing yard games. Sauce, we were playing hockey sauce, sauce kit. Yeah, we had the sauce hockey kit. AB's got no right-handed sticks, so I was using a backwards lefty, and I snatched, I snapped one in from the end of the dock. Dude, Bill was like better than me using a lefty. Stick. We're into the net, into the net. So I was, I took it to the end of the dock and fucking launched it however far and just snapped it into the net right there. Nice. It's a small little net, and uh, yeah, because all, all AB has is lefties. One of them, one of them is a sick little Steve Conowalchuk signed one. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one being in the basement at the Huntingtown house. Yeah, still got that with me. Yeah, pretty solid weekend. Yard games, Bay House. Came back today, did some brunch, had some afternoon beers, and then came back to the house and watched Caps all day. Yep, same. Pretty same. Pretty much the same exact thing. We, dude, the my, so Evan who came over yesterday, right? Um, he told me that he was not going to come over until he finds spike ball. And obviously they didn't find spike ball. And then my cousins come over today and they brought spike ball with him. I was like, Oh, Evan's going to be so pissed. Dude. The, well, the funniest thing about last night is we're at AB's Bay house. <laughs> and uh, we just hear like screaming down the street or like right next door. We, we walked me, Brandon and Johnny walked over and it was the neighbor's like son's like 30th birthday party. So we went over there. We're like, Hey, can we just like come in and drink beers? And the guy was like, hell yeah, dude. He had, <laughs> the old guy had just uh, a TV up in the corner of the garage, just betting on ponies. And then one dude was in a virtual beer pong tournament that he was in with like a bunch of friends. But it was 128 people. Then he was in the championship. Holy shit. And he won it. And he won a thousand bucks. Damn. That's pretty tight. That's a lot of people. It was a lot of people. And he was like on this table by himself, like locked in. I was like, holy shit. Like <laughs> this guy's about to win an awesome beer pong tournament. How old was the guy? They're all like, uh, my age, like 27, 28. Oh, because my mom... They live... To... Well, they live like... They're like neighbors with Brandon and Johnny and stuff. They live like a couple houses down, they found out. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> they found out they live... Like the one guy um, lives right up the street and to the left. And then the other guy said he lives like right down their same street. That's hilarious. In Baltimore. I didn't know that. Well, my mom was saying that they're like their age. So that's why I was like, why were they just chilling with like old ass people now they, they had like two kids one was 27 one was 30 but the hell if Damn. i know brent Connolly giving his speech now awesome so let's get into some hockey uh we got a little more clarity on these playoffs all four rounds of the nhl playoffs will be a best of seven series ab we talked about this earlier too it's reseeding so let's start with you yeah um i, I feel like you kind of have to reseed right i think so yeah so like there wasn't much of an option there for them to choose from. They have to reseed after all, after it's all said and done, because there's not really, it's a, it's a whole new format there. It's not like they're basing it off of divisions at this point anymore, like they used to. So, yeah, I mean, we, we keep talking about who we want to see in the first round. And I mean, 
at this point, you're just like, dude, just play for the number one seed. I, I think it's yeah, like you don't you don't have to straight. Now that we know they're reseeding, play for yeah. as high a seed as possible. Yeah. Well, KB? I want them to make those those three meaning those three like little round robin games for the seeding like meaningful as possible because they really need to get into like a playoff groove, like those meaningful games. So yeah, if they, if they strive to get that first place, I think, I think they'll get in that groove and be ready for a seven round playoff with whoever they're matched up against. Yeah. Cause we were talking about yeah. earlier when I mentioned it with AB, it was like, when was the last time the NHL did recede in the playoffs? Yeah. But don't you want to see that in the future though? Wouldn't you want that like to be implicated next year when the playoffs, I kind of like a whole reseeding thing because it's, you're not playing the same fucking team year we in year We wouldn't have out. had to see Pittsburgh Penguins like the last three times or however many years in the second three round. Three years in a row or whatever. Cup. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, same with like the Boston-Toronto thing. That's That's been going on too. It's kind of interesting. So, yeah, phase two begins today, Monday, June 8th. Uh, phase two basically says that uh, clubs can start reopening their training facilities for small group activities, some on and offs, all five stuff. So the caps haven't officially, I don't think, set their start date for phase two in terms of when they'll be on ice at Kettler. Like Tarek said a couple episodes, last episode, sorry. Uh, guys got to fly in. They got to get back into D.C. But, yeah, I think in the next week or so, we could, we're going to start seeing some guys on the ice. You might see like two or three caps just starting to get work in here in Kettler or here in MedStar. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured that they'd somehow be finding ice time by themselves. I don't, I don't really know how that works, but um, at least now they're, yeah, it'll be coming up. It'll be public that, and we'll, we're gonna, we're gonna get to see some people uh, or some, some of the guys just shooting pucks around. I mean, I don't think they're gonna be doing much, but yeah, they're not gonna be doing too much because, uh, I mean, I keep digressing back to Tark, but it's looking like that June 10th training camp. So, I mean, say if. I'll say if we start getting some guys back on the ice, I mean, living here in Arlington with the Virginia laws and stuff they're setting right now, we might not see guys on the ice till June 15th or so. July. Maybe even the week after. Or, oh, for the training. Yeah, let's start getting on ice. Like, I'm sure it's going to be like a thing, like you can't do more than like three guys and a coach on the ice or something. Right. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff on that for sure. But what I, I'm most worried about is like, when, when do you think we're actually going to see the actual game starting? Like I've seen rumors of maybe even as late as September – at that point, I feel like it's almost too late. If I'm looking uh, at July 10th, it's a Friday. Go ahead, AB, while I look at this. I'll say there – I would guess that um, we're going to see games in August is my yeah, best that, Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for, like the first week of August. I mean, they're not going to start the next season until uh, January-ish. January I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. July, if they kick it off with the Winter Classic, if they kick off next season with the Winter Classic, that's kind of tight. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm all for that. <laughs> just yeah. have a short season. But, yeah, so July 10th of Friday. Then you got the 13th to the 17th, 20th to the 24th, 27th to the 31st. That ends your three weeks of training camp. And then, bang, the following Monday is August 3rd. I'm, I'm sure once training camp ends, you give every team, say, let's say a week to get whoever they need to take to whatever location they're in, whatever central city they're in, get all set up in their hotels, like get into a little bit of a group before they start playing. I'd imagine they give them at minimum like a week for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have to – it's it's funny because like when we keep adding things up like you, you keep like taking random shit into account the time for all this to actually like develop just just keeps adding and adding and adding it seems like you know what i mean yeah for sure especially like 
who knows how they're going to do it. Are all the teams going to go to that location at one time? Are they going to bust like teams like two at a time, three at a time? Because once they get there, I'm sure they're going to have to go through testing. Then after a couple of days of being there, going through testing again. They have to test every day. I'm pretty sure. Every single day? Every, I, I'm pretty something sure they have to test at, every day before like games or something like that. Yeah, it's they're going to have to – they got to figure out a shit ton of logistics, not only like league-wise, but <clears throat> team-wise and everything too. So we haven't mentioned our interview yet. It's Phoenix Copley. Caps goalie back up last year for Holtby. Um, we'll get to his interview, and then after his interview, we'll kind of talk about the goalie situation for next year a little bit. We'll dabble into it. But um, last thing here before we get to Copper, Reed Cashman, Caps assistant coach, gone, took a head coaching job at Dartmouth. Um, the kind of cool thing that I've been seeing, I don't know if it's got traction to it at all whatsoever, but it'd be fucking awesome because Reed was a bit of a dip- defensive coach he coached the defense if we had old brooks or pick step up on that bench next year kp yeah i would love that i always thought he might get a front office role or something with the team and go towards more of like the coaching route so yeah i'd love to see him going i don't know if they'll give him that jump usually i, I think know. they might try to reassign him to hershey or something like give him like a job at hershey i don't first. know what he does exactly. straight to the caps well he does something with the caps right now he does like player... I, think, I think it's like player development something yeah. they just gave him like some kind of name but you don't think – I mean, I think he'd be an awesome fucking defensive coach. I think coach he'd be a AB. great coach, but you think they'd just test him out in the NHL? You don't think they'd give him, like, an AHL job or something like that first? No, I think he goes right to the NHL. I, I, yeah. I don't think it's – like, he, I mean, he's a well-known guy, so I don't I don't think you really need to test him. It's like Gretzky. He didn't coach a fucking AHL team. Gretzky yeah. was a great coach. He just – He wasn't he, a great coach. I mean, he wasn't a great coach, but still, like. But uh, uh, but you see a guy like Brooks Orpik being a great coach. I feel like though, right? Right. right. I, yeah, I would agree. I think he he gets players to. He's a great leader, and I think that's a huge attribute that a coach needs is to be able to lead a team. Um, because obviously, I mean, obviously he was the assistant captain, but like he almost, I, I feel like the Caps almost they, looked at him as a. As they've a, said that I think before. Like he was the guy in the locker room that led us. Right, exactly, and and he's I'm he probably helps out the younger guys too because everyone knows he's he's just a, a health freak. Yeah. Um. So he keeps he keeps probably the young guys' bodies in shape. I mean, telling them like the ins and outs of everything of like staying healthy. I think that's a huge factor too. I mean, obviously when he got a little older, he had he ran into some injury issues, but um, I mean, honestly, staying healthy is like almost half the battle sometimes. Yeah, definitely for some of these players it is. And, I mean, he, he had great success early in his career staying healthy. I mean, maybe it it definitely shows with his nutrition and the workout regimen he did. So, yeah. I mean, I, he's probably he's probably doing stuff now with the guys. Like, I mean, I'm sure oh, yeah. he still talks he to Vrana. He still talks to some of those younger guys, Wilson. I mean, even the defensemen, Siegenthaler. I'm sure they're still active with him. There's our guy Tarek on TV right now. But, um, yeah, I feel that. And to take this into consideration, too, say Brooks Orpik's on that bench next year and things like they have the past two years get a little hot seat-wise with Uncle Todd here. Every single person, including me, is going to be like, Brooks Orpik for head coach. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'll ride the I'll ride the fucking train. I'll, I'll climb that hill and die on it. Um, Brooks Orpik for head coach until he becomes a head coach and is not good or good. Thank but- you. I would say I think he would. I think he'd be a great assistant coach, a great defensive coach. Not, uh, I'm not super sold on the idea of him becoming a head coach very quickly. Not three years out of the NHL playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
And I guess with that being said, let's toss it over to Phoenix Copley. All right, guys, we now welcome on a goaltender here in the Capitals organization, currently playing for our Hershey Bears. Backup goalie last year behind Brayden Holpe, coming in, winning 17 games in that Caps uniform. Guys, Phoenix Copley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time. So we'll kind of just start with something kind of weird. So per Wikipedia, you were born in the North Pole of Alaska. Yeah. So tell us about that. Is that the real North Pole? And then secondly, kind of <laughs> how do you get into hockey? Uh, what was your first memory of the sport, either playing it or watching it or going to a game? or? Yeah, so I was uh, technically born in Fairbanks, Alaska. My parents lived in North Pole, which is about uh, 20 minutes from Fairbanks. Uh, it's two th- about 2,000 people live there. Fairbanks has around 70,000, still a little bit bigger city. Um, and then when I was a year old, my family moved to uh, outside of Columbus, Ohio. So my actually first hockey memories were in Columbus, Ohio, watching uh, the Columbus Chill play and uh, Ohio University Bobcats. I think oh, yeah. Their D3 team. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the, my first exposure to hockey. And me and my brother would go to games and we'd be all fired up and uh, go home and, and play hockey in the living room. And um, those are really my first memories of hockey. And then I moved back to North Pole when I was eight years old. Okay, so why the, why the move back to it? Um, well, my parents were getting a divorce, and that was kind of what, what was going on. And uh, me and my brother ended up going to Alaska with my mom. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, I think I was seven and a half or eight at that gotcha. time. Gotcha. And so, yeah, I was, and then um, I was in Alaska from then on. Nice. So did you, uh, did you always want to play goalie, or did you start out as a skater, transition to goalie? How was that? Uh, at first, I was, a, I was a forward, and then my brother's older than me, and when we were playing, he, he would always tell me to get in net, and Boom I'd be button. the one he'd be shooting on, and yep. at first, I was just kind of doing it, and then I'd still be a forward, and then as time went on, I kind of started to like it, and then I remember asking my parents for a set of pads, and, um, and when I got those, I kind of fell in love with it and uh, didn't look back. For sure. So a lot of people take different career paths to the NHL. I mean, yours was kind of, you did, I think you did three or four different junior teams and you did the two years in college. Kind of take us through, you know, your journey once you got to that level of going through junior and college. Why did you go to the teams you did? Why did you, you know, want to go the junior route and then straight to the college route instead of, you know, a lot of people like to go play in Canada, major juniors or something like that? Yeah, so when I was 17, I went to California to play um, – midget hockey minor hockey in california just to try and get a little bit more exposure um and then while i was there actually i didn't end up playing as many games as i wanted to so i was kind of uh didn't work out as well as i would want it to and then the year after that the corpus christi ice rays were joining the north american hockey league a tier two junior league and um and i saw that they were having a tryout and i was like this could be a good opportunity to, to move up and they're kind of going to have a whole new team and there's going to be some goalie spots open. So me and my brother both went to that tryout and we both ended up making the team. And it was kind of, kind of crazy. They were transitioning from a, from the CHL. So they were a pro organization. They were transitioning to junior. So going there, it was a little bit of a different year. Um, it was a, it was a good organization. They, they ran things like a pro team, but I think they were transitioning as well. So it was uh we didn't, didn't have a great team that year, but uh, I got to play a lot of games and felt like it really helped my development. And uh, I got to getting to play with my brother obviously helped as well there. So, yeah, that seems pretty cool getting to play with him. 
That's kind yeah. of interesting. You mentioned that because you talked about how he would make you throw the pads on. How, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're pretty similar in age if you were playing juniors together, but how much did you guys, were you guys always on the same team growing up until that point? Yeah, we, I, so, yeah, I have two brothers, one stepbrother and one, um, one brother, Navarone. Um, and so we, uh, we, we, I was either on one of their two teams. Gotcha. My whole life growing up since I started playing competitively. And then that season in Corpus Christi, my brother actually got cut in, I think, December, January. And so that was the first time I wasn't playing with one of my two brothers was midway through that season. So I was, that was kind of like, kind of difficult at first because, I mean, like after games and whatever would happen, I I would always have one of those two guys to talk to and kind of like hash things over with. And then after that, I was- calm you down at times. Yeah, yeah, for (laughs) sure. Um, But then after that, it was like, I was on my own and like, I would like- I had to kind of figure things out on my own at right. that point. So I found that kind of challenging. And I remember at one point I just, I, I it was just kind of, it was hard to, to deal with like if I was having a bad game or having a tough stretch, like not having one of those two guys to talk to. And so I talked to the, both of them a lot on the phone. I think that helped. And I think at the end of the day, it was the best thing for me to kind of uh, develop, you know, like go through some struggles on my own and, and learn how to deal with them and, uh, I think it really helped me at the end of the day, but yeah, it gets you comfortable with like uncomfortable situation type thing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think at the end of the day that that actually really helped me, um, with, with with him getting released it, but it it did really suck. For sure. I can feel that. So, and then the college route. So why Michigan tech over, I mean, did you have other offers? Did you have schools to choose between or was Michigan tech kind of like one team that was there willing to give you a shot? Yeah. So I played in the USHL the next year and, I think as kind of as soon as you get to the USHL colleges really start to, to, to just like send you messages and call you and, and everything. And cause I talked to a couple in when I was in the North American league, but it really, there were, it wasn't a whole lot of interest, but as soon as I uh, started playing games in the USHL, there was a, started to be a lot of interest. And um, so I, I mean, I talked to quite a few schools and I narrowed it down to three. I think it was UMass, Ohio state and Michigan tech. And Michigan Tech was the first one I had on my list to visit. And I went there and it's in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And uh, it's a really cool area, kind of, kind of remote, but a lot of outdoor stuff, waterfalls. And um, they had a really good coaching staff. And uh, Steve Shields was the goalie coach at the time there. And so I was like, they have obviously have a really good education system, but the hockey program there was really good as well. And the two things I wanted were a good education and a chance to move on in hockey and Michigan tech uh, covered both those boxes. And so I, after I visited, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to find a, a better opportunity to be coached by a former NHL goalie who, who really knows his stuff. And, and he had worked with Mitch Korn and he had always spoken highly of Mitch Korn. And I, I was thinking like, obviously Mitch Korn's best goalie coach in the game. And so I was wanted to learn from someone who had learned from Mitch and, um, so at Michigan Tech, I was like, you know what, I'm, I don't think I'm going to find anything better. So after thinking about that for a little bit, um, then they had offered me uh, a scholarship. So I, I was like, you know what, this is going to be, this is a good fit for me. So I, I went in and I'm, and I'm happy I did that. That was a, was a good place. So you want, you go undrafted. Was that because you went kind of the college route or was that kind of a shock to you? Um, or did you know at some point, that you were, did you know that you were just not going to get drafted, but you may have been signed later to an NHL team or? 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't really think about the draft at all. I knew, um, you know, it's, it's tough to get drafted. And I, I didn't really have, like, scouts talking to me a whole lot at, at that time. And so um, I wasn't surprised at all that I wasn't drafted. I would have been really surprised if I was drafted, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just – I didn't really have scouts talking to me. So I was just like, you know, I just – I knew it was going to be a different route for me to get to the NHL. And so I just kind of knew I was going to have to – kind of, I guess, come in the back door and, and work my way through the ranks. And that was kind of the way I saw myself getting there. And that's how, that's how I went through it. Sure. And then the Caps reach out, they give you an opportunity. You spend your first full season, your first full pro season, I should say, in Hershey. And that was a hell of a year. I mean, you went 17 games. You post, it was like a 925 save percentage. It's, it's one of your career best. And then, boom, the year after that, you get traded to the Blues in that Oshie and Brower trade where you just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> how did that whole situation go down? Because you had a really good first year right there in Hershey. Yeah, yeah, we had a really good team, and and that was a that was a fun year, and that was a that was another that was a great year for me to uh, develop, and um, uh, yeah, and then after that season, you know, I when, when I was I was really early on in my pro career, so you, you don't really think about the business side of it and the and the trade aspect of it. I, I signed a two year deal, and I thought I was going to be in the Capitals organization for two years, and so that's kind of where my head was at, and then. Um, so I was in Alaska in the summer and I uh, went on a, a four day float down a river where I, we don't even bring our phones cause we don't have service. So, um, I think it was a Thursday morning that trade happened and that was the day we left. So I didn't have my phone. <laughs> we were on the river floating and camping and fishing. And, <laughs> uh, so I had no clue when it, it happened until Sunday we got back, uh, got back in the trucks and started driving and as soon as we got, there's like a little mountain range we go over. And as soon as we got to the top of that, my phone just started buzzing nonstop. And I, it was like messages popping up and missed calls. And I was like, something happened here. And so, and I eventually found out I had, uh, <laughs> I was traded and, uh, somehow Mitch Korn had gotten a hold of my mom at home. I don't know how he had my home right. phone number, but she told him that I was going to be out of service for four days. So he kind of told everyone, but at first, uh, yeah, both GMs had called me and all the uh, Mitch and the goalie coaches had called me and I had no clue that I was traded. It was kind of phones a, just on silent or off and they're just like, what, yeah. what the hell is he doing? Is he ghosting <laughs> yeah. us? He knows I'm, he they, knows we're yeah. trading him. Yeah. I imagine they're kind of confused, but um, yeah, it was uh, kind of a funny story, but yeah, when I found out, I was like, really like, wow, I had no clue that that was a possibility, but, but then I was like, I was excited. Like, you know, I, I loved being a part of the organization, but um, then I was just excited to see another organization and, um, go try and uh, work my way up in that organization. And, um, it, I mean, it was, it was exciting. It's, it sounds like you're, you have a bit of a relationship with Mitch Corner. Do you still like talk to him to say you're trying to talk to him every day or what, what's your relationship with him? I, mean, I don't talk to him every day, although, you know, sometimes that <laughs> might be helpful, but yeah, I, I still, we, we keep in touch and, uh, whenever we're able to, we talk and, um, and yeah, he's, he's a great coach and I, and, he's always a good mind to pick if, if you have questions about goaltending because he is uh he definitely has some answers and he's been around the game a long time and he's yeah. always he's always thinking about hockey and, and how to make goalies better so he's he's a great hockey mind yeah for yeah. sure and kind of building off that real quick I mean you mentioned it earlier he's one of the best goalie coach ever it's been known throughout the NHL I feel like I mean what 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 is the biggest difference in him and every other goalie coach that kind of puts him to that next level above and beyond the rest um, well, I mean, he's, he's really obsessed with hockey and 
the best way possible. Like he, he, all he does is he eats, sleeps and breathes hockey and goaltending. And that's, that's just what he does. And um, so he's been, I imagine that's probably how he's been his whole life. That's how he's been since I've known him. And I think that's what sets him apart is he just, he focuses on hockey and he focuses on how to make goalies better. And, um, and if, if you're a goalie that he's trying to make better, he puts his in, the energy into you and helps find solutions to problems. And he tries to make you the best goalie that you can be rather than kind of having a cookie cutter style of coaching. He, he works with the goalie themselves. And um, he's, he's just, I think, the, the time he puts into the game and the focus he puts in is what sets him apart. Sure. KP? So um, jumping back, I guess, to the, you're back to your career here. You played, I guess, a season and a half with St. Louis and then right back to D.C. Were you happy in that moment you're coming back to D.C.? Or did you kind of, like, think you found the niche with the Blues there? I Honestly, I was, I was really excited. I was familiar with, uh, all, like, the, the coaching staff had, was pretty much the same. Like, in Hershey, it was all the same. A lot of the same players. And um, Scott uh, Murray was still the goalie coach in Hershey, who – was the goalie coach previously in, in Hershey when I was there. So it, like, it was, it seemed like, uh, you know, it was just, I was pretty excited. Cause like I said, I knew everybody and it wasn't going to be a difficult transition, like going into the blues organization. I don't think I knew anybody. So it was, everyone was new. It was a completely new, new situation where when I was coming back, it was kind of the opposite where I knew pretty much everybody and was familiar with both uh, the capitals and, and Hershey. So it was, uh, it was kind of it was easy, and I was I was really excited to to get back. It felt like, um, you know, Hershey and and Washington had always treated me really well, so it was very exciting. So I kind of want to talk about that eighteen nineteen season, last season with your uh, with the Caps. Your kind of first full season in the NHL as a backup role. You start twenty four games, playing twenty seven, sixteen wins under your belt, including six straight in that February March run right there. I mean. Hell of a season as a backup role. Uh, what what really went right for you, and what was working so well for you in that in that span? Well, I mean, first of all, it was a great team. It was a really fun team to be a part of. That that core group they have up there is uh, they make things really fun, and, and they love playing together. So it just kind of uh, kind of just wears off on everybody. That it, it's uh, it was just a, a good team to be around, and um, and then working with Scott Murray, he's a another great goalie coach. Uh, I felt like. Throughout the playoffs, when I was black acing, I got to work with him a lot. And then, obviously, I was familiar with him from before, but getting that chance to spend the extra two and a half months with him on the ice, I think, really helped me kind of prepare me for my first full season in the NHL. And um, and then it just kind of – I think having that, that preparation is kind of what helped uh, make my transition to my first full year uh, smoother, and that led to more success for me. Mm-hmm. So your uh, your first NHL shutout was a thirty five game perform uh, thirty five save effort in Ottawa. I mean, did you think you played any different that game? Was it like you were in the same mentality going through the whole game, or how was your head during that? Um, I mean, it's it's kind of you know I, I think most goalies would agree. I mean, you don't know when you're going to get a shutout. That's always the goal. You don't want to you know you're out there not to give up goals and to give the team the best chance to win. So you never know when it's going to happen and. Um, it was the game before Christmas, so maybe maybe it had a little Christmas luck yeah, with me, go. but uh, <laughs> I, know no, I, I don't know. Christmas I mean, it, it definitely like I felt good out there, and it was it was a fun game to be a part of, and it was awesome to to get my first shot out. Yeah, that's that North Pole luck rubbing off on you. <laughs> that game before <laughs> <Yeah>. Christmas. <laughs> yeah, not bouncing off that. Like, what 
Do you think like getting shelled a little early, like getting those first couple of saves, does that help you out or do you ease your way into a game? Like I know, I know most goalies that like we talk to, like they say like if they get like three or four scoring opportunities that they jump in front of right away, then they're into the game like immediately. But if they're, if it's slow action, then sometimes off of it. It definitely helps like, like getting a nice sweat in there and seeing the puck early. It's, it makes it a challenge if, if you don't see the, see a shot for, you know, 10 or 12 minutes to start the game, it's, you're just kind of standing there and waiting around. It makes it a little bit more difficult than if you're getting shots right away and kind of finding a, a rhythm early. Gotcha. So you were talking about black acing. We had walks on the other week and uh, we asked him the same question. Take us through that game five in Vegas there. Cause I'm interested <laughs> to hear from your perspective. I mean, the whole ordeal. Cause I mean, you guys are in the press box. I mean, he said once, I believe Devo scored. You guys rushed down, started getting dressed, and started getting ready just in case. Because you never know in that situation when it's a cup-clinching game. Uh, how did you guys decide when to go down and just kind of take us to that experience of getting dressed real quick, hoping that we would score that fourth goal, and then obviously the <laughs> after party on the ice and lifting the cup for the first time and everything. Yeah, it was pretty surreal, and it was it's a pretty big blur. I mean, it was a really close game, so we were we were kind of on the fence of like when we should start getting our gear on, and we don't want to obviously – have our gear on and then if it's going to overtime we're kind of scrambling hiding and whatnot so we were just kind of down there like like trying to decide when we should get our gear on and uh i mean it <laughs> was, you're a it goalie was, you got a ton of shit to put on <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah we, I mean, we had to try and time it right but it was i mean you could kind of feel it like the the we had the momentum and, and uh it just seemed like like they weren't going to lose so we were uh but yeah, we were just, we were excited. And like I said, it was it's just kind of a blur thinking back. It was so much excitement. And, um, and then obviously when it happened and getting to be there and go on the ice, uh, felt very fortunate to be a part of that. And um, it, it was awesome just seeing what that team had gone through and, and how much each of those guys loved playing together and being around that whole, that whole uh, run was, was amazing. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that was a blur because when we asked Walker that question, he had no idea who scored the third goal. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I mean, we were, it was it was crazy. It was. It he was, was like, "Who tied it again?" We're like, uh, "Devo." Yeah. yeah like, oh was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mayhem. It was it was wild and it was fun. Yeah. You got any Maybe. fun stories from that night? Yeah, because um, you guys stayed out in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not off the top of my head. It, it was a wild night, though. I mean, it was just. It was it was crazy. It couldn't happen in a in a better spot, and obviously, like it's kind of a, a dream come true. But man, it was it was fun, and like I said, I feel very fortunate to be a part of that. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. And then, I mean, that you talk about that crazy night. You win a Stanley Cup, and not and you win it in fucking Vegas of all places. <laughs> uh, and then you guys fly back. Talk about the week after you guys won. I mean, it looked like the shit show just continued after that. I mean, everyone everyone see, has seen all the videos of jumping into the uh, Georgetown fountain and all that. Um, do you have any, like, specific memories from that week after? It was just – it was amazing how much support the team had. It seemed like everywhere we were going, it was just like everything was capitals. Everything was yep. – It was. It, I mean, it was just amazing to be around that, that whole – the, how the whole city went crazy and um and yeah the, the the team i think like i was saying those guys love to play together so much i think that's kind of you know what led into the celebration everyone it was just it was a really tight-knit team and, and being around that and seeing that was was pretty incredible and um i think you know Ovi had waited a long time to celebrate like that so he mm-hmm. 
he really uh, took advantage of, of that. <laughs> and it was awesome to see that. For sure. So did you get a day with the cup? No. No. Uh, if you did, how would you have spent it? Or where would you have taken it? Uh, probably North Pole. Probably would have went to North Pole and uh, let my friends and family uh, get to see it up close. And um, that's, that's still what I want to do uh, in the future. That's, that's my plan is just, I would let my, my friends and family get to uh, experience that. And, and because, uh, you know, they, they, especially my family has put a lot into traveling when I was younger, my parents. And so kind of getting to repay them would be great. For sure. So I kind of want to take it off topic for a minute. A picture I saw on your Instagram was Halloween a couple of years back, dresses McGregor. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I spent some time working at, with the UFC uh, a few years back. So I'm a big McGregor nut hugger myself. Is he, are you a big UFC guy? I see your favorite fighter. I mean, how much I, do you yeah, watch? I enjoy watching UFC. Uh, actually, Conor McGregor kind of, kind of got me into watching it. Uh, I think it was four or five years ago, one right. of his early fights when he won and he just had the swagger and, and all the confidence in the world. And I was like, wow, that guy is fun to watch. And so I just kind of, obviously he's, he's had a, uh, he's a lot of people started watching UFC because of him. Obviously right. he's got the charisma. Um, but yeah, so I, that's kind of what got me into it. And I, and so now I, now I like watching it. It's a, I find it a fun sport to watch and really entertaining. So any other, definitely. any other fighters you like to watch specifically? I like uh, Jorge Masvidal. He's oh, fun yeah. to watch. Uh, Nate Diaz as well. I like, like he's, like his attitude, he's just the got, cocky, the, the cocky bastards. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the guys that talk shit and then yeah. back it up. Masvidal, he's a bad motherfucker too. Yeah, well, he won the BMF belt. Yeah, yeah, he. Yeah, he's, a lot of these guys are crazy though. They're just like, it's crazy with the stuff they put their bodies through with the weight weight cuts and and that stuff's insane. And then they go and fight the next night. It's it's right. wild. You ever seen one in person? No, I will actually. When I was in, when I was in uh, Nebraska playing in the USHL, we. We went to uh, – it wasn't UFC. It was, like, some sort of, like, some promotion just had – Probably, like, it was, Bellator uh, or Strike Force or something. Yeah, I don't remember which one, but uh, it was, like, just some sort of MMA promotion that did one in our rink, and we all went as a team and watched it. It was, it was mostly just, like, local people from Nebraska or the Midwest that were fighting. But at that time, I wasn't as into it, so I probably didn't, like, enjoy it as much as I would have now. But um, it's, it's crazy, like, like, just watching two guys go to war. It's very yeah. – uh, it's like medieval. It's a little nuts. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Here at, the, at those places are, are insane too. Like just outside of the ring, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when like that. people get in fights outside. Like when Connor <laughs> and Khabib fight. Like Russians yeah. and Irish people are just beating the shit out of each other in the stands. Yeah. 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 There's like, even like, I feel like watching it on TV, like, like there's like so much energy. Like you, it's hard not yeah. to get into a fight when you're watching it on TV. Yeah. Can't imagine what it'd be like in like uh, Vegas or. Some mm-hmm. big arena. You know, I've never. We saw one in DC. I've, yeah, I've, we went to the one in DC. Oh, oh yeah. He works for UFC up in Vegas, so he's probably been to a million fights over there. I don't know about you, you Billman. Have you? Uh, probably about fifteen, twenty in person. And yeah, they were in DC. What was it? That last summer, yeah. or like last winter-ish? Maybe it was like six months ago. Maybe. Yeah. Right there at Capital One. That was my first time, but it was it was a good time. Cool. But um, jumping back to hockey, um, this season was different, obviously. Uh, the AHL canceled the rest of their season. I mean, now we just kind of heard the news today. What's what's going to happen, I guess. And they've put the first steps into motion. Have the Caps, like, reached out to you at all yet? Um, are you Have you been staying in game shape and stuff like that? Because, I mean, I know the AHL's done, but 
I'm assuming you might be black acing again uh, if uh, if there's an injury that happens during the playoff run. Yeah, they they told me to be ready to black ace, and so I've been kind of doing workouts here, doing uh, home workouts, and I have some some uh, dumbbell sets that that I've been doing. It's it is kind of weird without access to a gym, but um, kind of had to get creative and um, so yeah, I've just been doing workouts here and staying as as ready as I can and um, Rocky Balboa trainings. What's that? Rocky Balboa training. Yeah. yeah. Doing the old, well, I've uh, seen some pictures that you put up. You were on some rollerblades there. Have you been doing any training like uh, goalie wise with the blades? Uh, I actually drew a crease and tried to see how that would go, but it's, it's very different. It's right. like, there's a lot of stopping and, and shuffling. And, <laughs> and so it, that was, that was very different, but I did uh, draw a crease on the asphalt out by our place and just kind of for fun. But um, no, I, I've, I rollerbladed and biked quite a bit more just to kind of keep the cardio in shape. But right. um, at the same time, it, it's, I kind of want to let my body rest as well. It's uh, the season is long and even though it got cut short, it's I feel like it's beneficial to let the body recover a little bit and, and be ready for uh, when the season restarts. Now, would you say there's more of a chance that it would help or hurt? Because like you said, beneficial rest recovery, but you're getting out of game shape. I mean, going back to the UFC ring rust, you don't mm-hmm. fight for a while. You, you kind of get that ring rust. I mean, do you see it to be more beneficial getting the rest over, you know, staying in game situations? I think there's a happy medium. I think, um, you know, at, at a certain point it, it can, it takes a while to get back into game shape, no matter what you do. Cause, cause playing is different than any workout that you would do being on the ice and being in, in games and in practices is different than any kind of workout that you do, no matter what you do. So um, there's always, there's always rust if you're off the ice for a certain amount of time, uh, no matter what. So I think, uh, I mean, like I said, I think there's a happy medium. It's, it's tough to say whether it would be more beneficial or less beneficial, but I think um, it certainly would be nice to be able to skate a little bit more, but at the same time, everyone's kind of in the same situation. So um, just kind of, kind of do what you can to, to stay, give yourself the best opportunity for if and when the, if and when we can skate again. For sure. So uh, kind of building off that and staying in game shape, I mean, there's no doubt that this is a massive offseason for this franchise. I mean, there's a thought around here that obviously that Hopi is gone. All eyes are going to be on Samsonov, but also that he may not be ready for that workload that we've seen, you know, Hopi playing 50 to 60 games a year over the past few years. So kind of getting to my point here is this, there's going to be that opening on the Caps roster for that main backup uh, spot. And you go back to you, your time as a backup here, that season you had was incredible as a backup. Like we said, it was like 26 games, 17 wins, six in a row. I mean, are you going to approach this offseason any differently than you may have other offseasons in the past, knowing that, you know, you're probably fighting for that spot right there? Um, well, I First of all, my mindset is that that I want to be in the NHL. I want to be on an opening night roster right. come next season. So um, whether or not that's any different than any other, other season, that's always my goal. Um, but I'm certainly very hungry for, for that spot, and I'm going to do everything I can to, to have that spot. So um, I don't know. I, I feel like that's what I go into every year, but I'm very motivated right now for that spot. So I'm definitely going to uh, do everything I can to be on that, on that roster. Sure. Yeah, I mean – I remember you coming up, you kind of, like we said, came out of nowhere, you got signed, we're in Hershey, and then boom, you get that backup job. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's winning some games for us. That's what you like to see. <laughs> you love a good goalie that's going to come in and win big, win big games and, you know, relieve that stress and 
yeah, like you said, I feel like that's the mindset you have to have is you're always competing for an NHL spot. So it shouldn't be any different. So AB, go ahead. Well, the other thing to bounce off that is how important it is for that one-two punch in, in the NHL now. I mean, it seems like all the successful teams right now, they have a one-two punch in net. And, uh, I mean, yeah, like we said, like, hope we don't know what Holpe's deal is. Um, so, I mean, you'll slide up right, at, right there, and we've seen su- some success with you and Samson. I mean, we've always had great goaltending, it feels like, for these past, like, five years. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is important to have two good goalies. And, um, and it's and at the NHL, that's where everyone wants to be. So there's always competition and there's always guys fighting to, to be in that spot. So it's highly competitive and it's, uh, I think it, it helps bring out the best in everyone and all the goalies because um, you have to put forth your best in order to get those spots. So um, I look forward to the challenges and I think, I think uh, any athlete uh, is very excited to, to compete like that. And, um, and high stakes are, are what brings out the best in everyone. So we'll we'll start to wrap it up here with some quick fire type questions here. Um, I'll start with uh, what's the toughest part, I guess, about being a goalie and living that goalie career, I guess. Toughest part. Because yeah. we're all skaters. Um, I mean, I played goalie when I was like eight, but couldn't tell you past then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, toughest part about being a goalie. A, a lot of the off-ice stuff, like – anything on I like I love being on the ice but anything that that off off the ice and um that doesn't have to do with hockey is mm-hmm. kind of what 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 I don't like I, I anything about being on the ice is what I love so any of the the talk or the political side of the game uh, not a big fan of yeah gotcha so another goalie question I mean goalies have always been known as the kind of the weird cats on the team the strange dudes in the corner <laughs> almost uh what would you say is the weirdest thing about you or that you do when it comes to preparing or playing for a game that will kind of fit that goalie mentality or that goalie persona? Um, I mean, I'm pretty quiet. I, I kind of keep to myself. I, I, I don't know. Like that'd probably be a better question for someone else because I just kind of <laughs> like, I'm just focusing on, on my job and maybe, maybe people would say it like I, that I'm so quiet. Maybe I, I don't know, but I'm kind of just focusing on, on my job and getting myself into a mindset to perform at the highest level. So I, I would say maybe it's, maybe it's weird that I'm more quiet, but uh, other than that, I just kind of keep to myself. Are coaches coming up and talking to you before, before the games or are they just like, let's leave him alone. Let, let him, let him do what he does. I think it's different. Like some coaches have like pre scouts for other teams, best players, like kind of where they're shooting or, um, or like their tendencies on break breakaways, but and then some coaches just kind of leave you leave you alone. So it's I think it's kind of different. That's kind of based on the coach. Gotcha. KPAB, you got anything else? Well, I got one. I, do you Go ahead, like, do you do you like being a backup, or would you rather get that starting role? Because personally, I too much pressure. Too much. <laughs> man. No, I, 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 want, I want to play all the games. I want to play as many as possible. Right. I'd be like um, being the backup quarterback, getting paid to do absolutely nothing. This is awesome. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, what's that guy on Blue Mountain State, Alex? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like a punter in the NFL. Like, you don't have the stress of kicking field goals, but just kick the damn thing down the field at least 25 yards. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, getting paid yeah. $100,000 to do absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I like playing games. I I want to be the guy who plays who the coach goes to and they need a win. That, that's that's my dream uh, to do at the highest level. What's the pressure? <laughs> nice, KP. Um, my last one. So when you're not playing hockey, what what is like what are you doing off the ice? 
on your free time? Um, I started playing guitar uh, a couple of years ago. So I've been playing a little bit of guitar. In the summers, I like to spend some time outside uh, with my dog and girlfriend, like to go hiking and do a little fishing, do a little camping. Um, so yeah, I'd say like spending time outdoors playing guitar. Are you usually back in Alaska during the off seasons? Yeah, yeah, usually I go okay. back to Alaska. Nice. What, have you ever seen that Alaskan Bush People show? That's a cool show. Yeah, I've, that's nice. I've seen it. It's it's kind of tough to watch because I feel like a lot of it is like is very dramatized. So very played out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but uh, people always ask me that. They ask me uh, if I've seen that show. Sure. So last one. We're coming to the end here. It seems like hopefully of this stay at home with this quarantine order. Uh, so how have you passed the time? Have you been watching any good shows on Netflix? Watching movies? Like you said, you said you picked up the guitar. So I'm sure you've been practicing. But how have you been really passing the time to keep yourself from getting crazy bored? Actually, uh, I'm getting towards the end of the Last Dance documentary, and that's been oh, so good. It's so been unbelievable. I'm, I've, we've, I've been really excited about watching that every night. So don't know what I'm going to do in that one. I'm done watching that, but that's been definitely the best thing I've watched You're this whole time. That before games, that'll get you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every time I'm done watching, I'm like just ready to go. It gets me gets me fired up. You'll binge watch it and then you'll love it so much. You walk into the caps locker room with the cigar in your mouth. Just like, like, what the hell are you doing? Dude? He's like, fucking Jordan did it. <laughs> that guy's got rings. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's unreal. It's, it's awesome. Like seeing what that guy, just how he handles himself and the amount of confidence he has. It's crazy. Sure. So that's all we got between us Copley guys. We appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a pleasure and we're looking forward to you and you're the rest of your career here in Washington and uh, hoping to see you in that cap jersey next year. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks again to Phoenix Copley for hopping on to the fun conversation, talking a little McGregor, talking some hockey, talking living with Santa Claus. Uh, but so let's kind of talk about that. I mean, next season, because we don't got anything else to talk about now until hockey gets back up. Like we said, it's all but written or in sign that hope he's gone. Who, who, do you see Copley as a valuable backup there? I mean, he was, like I said, he was solid last year with us. I know we've got a great goalie competition with him and uh, Banachek down in Hershey. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love for him to get that backup role and to get a chance to even maybe fight with uh, a young Samson off for the starting position next year. So, I mean, I think Copley uh, definitely from the interview seemed hungry. So I think he'd give Samson off that push to want to play better and better. So I think he'd be a perfect setup for backup for us. Yeah. Um, I don't I think he's I, he's a solid backup. Um, I, I I don't know who. I don't know if there are any free agents out there that are going to become like uh that are like looking to get signed. I guess like I like a Yaroslav Halak who's so someone like that. Yeah, veteran goalie. Right, like at splits time that that already splits time because like you guys know how I feel about goalies. Um. I just think that, especially with Sammy being so young, I don't think we can just give him the full load yet. You know what I mean? I think, like, I, I almost see it as a – What's the max games you would want to see Sammy play? Like 45. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say 50. I was, I, yeah, 50 is pushing. I was going to – I was going to – I'd say right in the middle around like 47, 48. So, and I don't know if Copley – um, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, so it's probably a good test. But like, it, it, it'll just be interesting to see if he can run a thirty game. Four, yeah, yeah, thirty to thirty-five games in a season. But yeah. how many? How many did he play that year? I think like twenty-six. 
26. 25, 26. Yeah, I guess that's not bad then. 27, maybe. Yeah. But I, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little nervous for Samsonov to start 55 games. Yeah. I mean, take the reins over. Yeah. I definitely see what you're saying. And we, and I mean, yeah, the the NHL has definitely gone to this two goalie tantum. You got to have that second goalie that can step in. So do you want to see that second goalie be a signed veteran? Like AB was mentioning, like a Halak type guy or pull up one of these studs we have in Hershey and Copley or Vanacek? I mean, it it would really have to be who's out there, but I'm not sure. I would love to give Copley a shot. Like I would, I would love to give him a shot. I think he's, he's hungry. If we don't have to spend the money. I mean, I think Sam Sonoff is the future and you got to invest in him. Even if you're not going to play him the games, I think you got to give him the reins. That's just me though. You do have to, you do have to like have him as your number one guy. I think like, I think he, and I think he is kind of, established that almost already with this yeah. season but i just don't want to overwork him yet no i agree it, it would the perfect situation would to be have hopey for another year or two yeah yeah um i'm kind of shocked they didn't bring him up they didn't bring sammy up like almost earlier you know what i mean like i'm i'm shocked they waited till this year right i don't i really don't think that they saw hopey leaving they really thought about it until like now well it's not official yet really yeah but i mean i mean here's, yeah, a couple, here's a couple unrestricted free agents at the end of the season besides holpe you got Corey crawford jimmy howard robin leonard craig anderson markstrom camp talbot brian elliott wow that's a good year for goalies huh keith kincaid yeah i mean i wouldn't mind robin signing Hunt. any of those like matt murray <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, Matt Murray. I don't know what I don't know what Pittsburgh's gonna do there. They're they're kind of they might gamble with Tristan Jerry because they, they have might. him on a cheap on a cheap contract so that they can why the fuck pay, wouldn't they? Yeah, so they they can pay for another free agent basically. They went that exact route literally three years ago with Murray and uh, Flurry. Yep. I mean, speaking of Pittsburgh, did you see one of their players or maybe multiple of the the Corona? No, I did not. Yeah, I, did, I don't think I said who it was, but um. KP, you've got you brought up this ESPN article. Let's take a look at it. I mean, it was twenty four. The biggest question uh, for each of the twenty four teams heading into the playoffs, and so for the Capitals, let's discuss. It was Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, he was the main topic of dis, uh, discussion. If he was going to have like an impact at all, and if he can really flip a switch uh, on that third and fourth line for scoring, I think his impact would would totally take the Caps game to a whole new level. Because I think we know we're going to get out of those first two lines, solid game at the least. Um, if that third and fourth line, especially him, if he can become a scoring threat on that third line, that's such an impact. We saw in 2018, I mean, um, Lars Eller had huge goals on that third line. Berkey, yeah. Berkey had huge goals on that third line. Well, Devo, Devo had good, huge goals late in the playoffs. The difference with Kovalchuk and, you know, the three guys we just mentioned and Eller, Kano, and Burakovsky is Kovalchuk is a legit superstar. Right. So if he starts playing, if he comes out of this when all this is over and we get back into hockey in August and he's playing at this insanely high level because he's got a mentality of wanting to be on the Caps top six, knowing that he's fucking Ilya Kovalchuk and he's a dog, then – I mean, the second somebody starts to struggle, I don't think the Caps will hesitate to put his ass up there in that top six if he's lighting it up on the third line. Well, I mean, even he just makes that third line so much more skilled with Eller and Haglin. I mean, 
That takes that line to almost on some teams. You can put that as your second line. I think if they're performing. Oh yeah. So, I mean, if you're running three lines on top talent like that, and Ilya Kovachuk's on your third line scoring, maybe getting a point per game, I think we're looking good. Yes, yeah, so I think he had four points in the seven games here. I mean, A.B., do you see him as being a, a guy that could, honestly, if he's playing at the top of his game, could be cracking our top six on a nightly basis when we get to the playoffs here? Um, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to crack top six. I think it's pretty set. Uh, actually, I, take I don't think back. you want him to crack the top six you know actually, because I, that means somebody's struggling right exactly i was gonna say i actually immediately take that back the the only player that i think he would take over in the top six is uh maybe jacob Vrana. yeah i can uh, see that I, if Vrana doesn't come out with any confidence yeah if, if Vrana's not if not if Vrana's not playing well making some turno bad turnovers and playing bad defensively i could see kovalchuk maybe getting bumped up playing with uh koozie maybe yeah, I mean, are, are yeah. you the one that's mentioned it before that you could possibly see like Wilson on the third line? Yes, I I did say that a while back. Just, well, at the uh, end of the season, hitting Lars Eller, Tom Wilson, Carl Hagelin line. So it's mm-hmm. just the most defensive line that you could ever think of in your. Mind. That is a huge line, and we did see the Russian line a couple times. They did have Kovalchuk, Kuzi, and Ovechkin a couple yeah, times was, out there. Every time it was immediately after a penalty. So like immediately after it was, it was definitely in certain situations, and so. and he had a little like spark to his like to his stride too when it happened. He was like, "All right, let's fucking go. This is it's us three. He looks like he wants to get back into it. He wants to get talked about again. He wants to be a scoring threat. That's what how I feel. He wants he, he wants to try to find that power play time. Also, yeah, want, yeah, he wants that, and he, I think he just wants to fucking succeed with the with the Russian homies. Win a cup, boys, <laughs> right? Just win a little Russian just, cup. He just wants to ball the fuck out with the Russians, dude. He's just like, dude, Ovi, me, I Ovi. Mean, I want to do that. Oh, yeah. I want to ball the fuck out with the Russians. Hell, yes. <laughs> Hell, yes. Let's get fucking weird with them. Uh, a guy that's making hockey news, Max Kellerman, the goofball on ESPN. First take, Stephen A. Smith, him and uh, Kellerman. He said hockey is not a four-major sport. Uh, caused a lot of shit in the hockey on hockey Twitter. So did you guys see the clip? Any thoughts on it? He said, nobody really cares about hockey. And it's like the old joke is that every NHL team can sell out. They fans and they yeah. all have season tickets. Yeah. yeah. Which I've won. I've never heard of. No. I've not, literally never heard of that. But whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I It didn't trigger me much because Max Kellerman is fucking stupid. It's literally yeah. his job to find – Crazy takes, like, like yeah, he's really, he's he's really really dumb. So I didn't. Well, know. Was, I think it was his original job was to announce boxing, but he's pretty bad at doing that. So yeah, well, I mean, I can understand his take in a sense because there's definitely a lot of people out there that will go to a game and will watch hockey live, but can't really watch it on TV. Say it's hard to follow, things like that. So I kind of got to get it, but with the graphics nowadays, I mean, they're getting a lot better at showing you the puck and being able to follow the puck with the HD TV. So I don't know. I think hockey's hockey's growing and uh, he's going to be wrong. Linda Cohn clap back at him. The ESPN lady. Oh yeah. I did. Yeah. I did see that. Yeah. I think that I, that's what's funnier is when like some of his own, some of the people that he fucking works with is like just ro- trying to roast him. He did get roasted. Right. Which I thought was hilarious. And what would you consider the fourth fucking major sport? The MLS? Yeah, right. Golf. That just get that just gets washed up fucking people here. That's the only way it stays relevant is because we get David Beckham for a year and a half and Ibrahim Izambovic or whatever the hell his name is out in LA. Like we get fucking yeah, we get washed up 
fucking English superstars that come over and play for like two years and make like $40 million in dip. Yeah, it's, a, it's the retirement league. The MLS is the retirement league is what me and my dad call it. Yeah, because wasn't even was there something on fucking Twitter a couple weeks ago about how Ronaldo should come play in the MLS for just a year and just dummy yeah. everybody, make a shit ton of money, roll out. <laughs> yeah, he was thinking about it at one point or something like that. It was, it was kind of funny, but obviously it hasn't happened. But something else on that. I mean, don't you feel like a lot of a lot of fans also like there's a lot of people that just get into hockey for the playoffs. Like they'll watch just the playoffs. I know the casual. There's a lot of people that don't watch hockey all year long and then they'll watch the playoffs. Too, yeah. So. This 2014 playoff thing, I think, is going to – it might get some really good ratings. People it might get a shit ton of traction. Nothing else is probably going to be on. The league could really pop off over this. I mean, the NBA just announced all their shit. It's kind of dumb because it's like nine teams from the East. Go Wizards, who are like 25 and 40, somehow made it. Go Wizards. <laughs> but then, like, it's like 12 teams from the West, though, just because they wanted Zion to play. So, I think the NHL did it right. They did it well. It's not a shit show like in the MLB. I mean, the NBA is getting theirs figured out now, but the NHL is really pushing the fucking gas and moving forward, and they've got their plan set up, and they're ready to go. Yeah, what? I mean, I, I agree. I, I'm hoping that we're the we're the only sport going at the time, but uh, at least for a little bit, that would that would be great for ratings and growing the sport, but who knows? Hopefully they're And hopefully that. it's thrilling. Like, just give me some fun fucking hockey. Do something cool oh, in the I arena. think it will be. I think see, these guys want to play. They want to win. Yeah, did you see Korean baseball? Would they put all the stuffed animals behind home plate? Uh, yeah. Uh, dude, yeah. did you see? They loaded up with Nickelodeon characters. Yeah, it was like SpongeBob and shit. They just, like, it was all, like, <laughs> stuffed animals and shit like that. Like, just that right behind home hilarious. plate. That's it looks so like a packed awful. stadium. Yeah. That's just so something so else I saw. I did did see that basketball is talking about putting uh NBA 2K sound like stadium sound into the, like the the arenas that they play in while they're playing to try to give it a noise. Yeah, they're they're pumping in crowd noise. You think they're gonna do that in the NHL? I hope. I don't really know though. I I can see it going. Yeah, I can see some teams doing it. Sometimes I don't. I don't fuck. I don't know what's gonna happen. Dude. The whole NBA know. aspect, but they did that even with fans and shit. They're just playing dumb music the whole time yeah right so i don't know but um all right so we still have one more interview we got chef jojo he's a dc based chef super hockey fan i was supposed we we're supposed to play in that um charity game players against hate so he's about to come on but let's finish with this ab we mentioned it because like i said we've digressed to the target interview like a hundred times but yeah. it was such a good interview and he's so insightful every time he comes on i, I, I yeah he's just about, i love just... talking to him yeah, he's awesome. He's just so open about everything. It's so tight. Yeah, he's a he'll good let, He'll just let it rip. Mm -hmm. So, every, this is obviously a lot of question marks for every single team coming back into these playoffs. I mean, what's your confidence level for the Caps? I mean, we haven't seen a single video of Caps on ice. I mean, the day I see, like, Jonas Siegenthaler back in D.C. as the first guy on the ice, we'll be like, oh, Caps are fucking – we're good. But <laughs> what's your actual confidence level right now? So, I – Tark – kind of convinced me that we have like a very very good shot of like winning this whole thing um just just because of the whole like us being a, an older team um means that like we do need that rest like that we we don't know if we can really play 82 games plus a playoff series anymore so i, I think a two-month break is almost like perfect two to th actually it's more than two months now it's probably like four or five months uh, right. I think everything shut down March 15th. Okay. April, May, we're about June 15th, so three months. Yeah, so, like I said, I mean, 
I think it was just I, I think it's a great break for us to I mean some players may have been playing hurt may may or may not have because he he was talking about how Kuzi may have been a little hurt um, but was still playing he wasn't at his top level I mean if we get guys like him back to playing like at their top game mm-hmm. like we're just again we're just the most dangerous team I think we're the most dangerous team in the NHL especially with especially if Holpe is playing at the top of his game as well yeah, and verbatim what he said in that interview is the Caps come out and start every season like gangbusters just fucking blowing everybody out and a three-month break is i mean by the time training camp starts in july 10th that'll be four months really um since march 15th i mean say the caps go to the cup in june then they get the rest of june july august and then they start training camp preseason in september that's three and a half four months this was literally an off season yeah pretty much that's and yeah, I mean that we we've kind of said it like multiple times, but I just I feel really good. The only thing I'm a little nervous about is how slow they start off in those first three games. But thank God for us, those three games don't really like. They're I mean they count obviously, but they're not. It's yeah, not I don't like, think they're gonna kill us at all. I think it's gonna be okay wherever we end up. Yeah, they're do or die. They're not do or die games like the the rest of the. Yeah, that'll help us get our feet back under us, and you right. know we're a big physical fucking team we bang bodies so we're gonna come in rested and every i mean everybody's gonna come in rested but when we start throwing hits asap it's gonna be like oh shit uh, exactly and um like uh again like a team like philly slows down um because they were rolling on all cylinders so this could slow them down it's like like all the teams that were rolling are probably pissed and all the teams that were like slowing down are like us <laughs> i'm right. i'm yeah. pumped because <laughs> yeah. we were terrible yeah, I mean, KP, what are your overall thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited. Offensively, I think we have a really good shot. I mean, the question marks being Kovalchuk, Kuzi. If those guys are hot, like AB said, I'm really excited, and I'm I really think we have a really good shot. Biggest question marks are the power play. The power play has got to execute. We got to be good on the power play. Our PK is going to be good, and defensively, who's going to step up? I mean, we need to have a solid top four. We yeah, have the guys that do it. That. I was just about to mention yeah. that about the, about defense, dude. Like watching we i mean we're watching this fucking vegas series and i just look over and i was just like dude our defense was so good back then so good they could play as a unit like i mean all the yeah, guys filled so in good. i felt like and yeah it was just a five-man unit oh we could actually uh speaking of defensemen we can talk about that a little bit too um i i, I mentioned i brought this up today i was like one of the biggest mistakes i thought we did was not protect nate schmidt yeah oh yeah like yeah. i loved I loved Nate Schmidt, and I thought he was – I don't would, know why. Because him like, and Carlson would still be playing together. Oh, yeah, and I don't know why. Because like, he was a lefty, right? Yeah, he was a lefty. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know why people slept on him. Like I loved him. I him. was obsessed with him. Yeah, I was too. I mean, yeah. early on in his career, he was a little inconsistent, but, like, it was, like, right when we let him up. That that year that he went to Vegas, the year before, he had a really solid year, and awesome. I thought he was great. Yeah. Yep. He would have been – and he, he's, like, third best defenseman, top two – for them, if, if we imagine him and Carlson on that top two spot, sheesh. Yeah, like we were talking about McClellan a little bit. Like, I like McClellan is actually he came, he's come in and done an awesome job throughout yeah. like his his mm-hmm. time here. How how long has he been here? Like five years. Well, he's been here his whole career, I think. But like when he got the job, I think I think it's been like what five years, four or five years. Yeah. Whenever whenever we hear hired trots, um. He's done a great job that, but that was like the one big blimp I like I saw from him. Uh, was just that the Nate the Nate Schmidt how he handled that whole expansion draft because you see other teams like basically trading away like two draft picks so that they can like not like 
not get not a certain a person certain player that they couldn't protect. Yeah, right. that was that was kind of shocking when it was that, Nate that went. But he might have realized. I mean, he could have realized that that was a bonehead move because every trade deadline since he's gone out and tried to get a defenseman, kind of almost to fill that role of Nate Schmidt. It, was, it wasn't like too shocking because. I mean, the the way the format was, it was seven forwards and three defensemen. And so we knew we had to protect Carlson, Orlov, and Niskanen. Um, right. So, like, we, we kind of knew he was going to be unprotected, but I just thought he should have done a little bit more to try to make a deal with McPhee to be like, hey, don't draft Nate Schmidt. Yeah, um, but McPhee knew this roster. He knew who he yeah. wanted, who he wanted to get. He probably might have. He might have not taken a deal. We don't know. The Caps could have offered a deal behind the yeah, door that we don't know that's, about. That's very true. He probably he, he could have offered one. And McPhee um, knew who he wanted from from this roster. Yeah, I mean for sure. Um, but yeah, I just thought like that. Like that's really the. Well, only I think point. the biggest thing with that too is we wanted to protect forwards. Yeah, the and the other one was Oshie, um, We protected Wilson. Obi Backstrom, Kuzi, obviously. I think we did the 7-3 and one route. The other thing that was kind of weird was when he traded for Nick Jensen and signed him immediately before he – Yeah, played. we gave him yeah, yeah, the two-year deal like three days later. <laughs> Not even. I think it was a four-year deal. Like Four-year deal? Right away. Yeah. Motherfuck. Yeah, I think it was a lot. I, I don't, I'm not – I can't remember. Well, like we said, he was immediately seen as the Matt Niskanen replacement. Which is not even close. No offense. <laughs> But we, we did say at the at Maybe. the end of when, when the when we stopped playing, he he did start to go up the hill a little bit. His play started to pick up, so maybe he'll wake up. True, true. But yeah, maybe he'll wake up. Other we'll than that, he's done a pretty solid job, McClellan. Yeah, he, I agree. I like him. Great GM, love him. Uh, that's all I really got. Uh, unless you boys got anything else, we can toss it over to Chef JoJo and everybody. Have a awesome fucking week. Nah, that's it, man. Peace. All right, guys, we now welcome on a bit of a different type of interview here. We've got Chef JoJo Thomas, LL Cool Chef. My man, what's going on? Man, I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on. Like we said, we wanted to, we like throwing these interviews at the at the end of our shows just to give people kind of something different to listen to. Here's from some, you know, some people that love hockey, but, you know, are a chef or in a band or anything like that. So why don't you, why don't we just start there? Tell us about yourself, where you're from, what, what sports you grew up playing, all that good stuff. Well, I'm, I'm originally from New York. Um, I've been living in the uh, DMV area uh, since 2001. I came out here for college. Um, but originally from New York, and um, where there's a lot of New York Ranger fans. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've been cooking professionally for eight years, and, uh, you know, just having, right now just having a blast. So what, what, what kind of got you into cooking? I mean, when did you start cooking? What was the first thing that made you say, like, I kind of want to cook? <laughs> I want to be a chef. <laughs> Well, um, I started, um, I was around 21 years old, um, happened real randomly. Uh, I was working at the time I was working at a, uh, at a summer camp for kids and, um, we had to end up the uh, summer potluck and I was asked to make chicken wings. So okay. that kind of, that kind of started everything, but, um, I didn't start training professionally until, uh, 2012 when I was 29. Um, gotcha. my, my original background is in graphic design. That's my major. That, that's what my major was in college and what my degree is in. Um, but uh, cooking became my passion. Um, it was very un unexpected. And uh, since 2012, been training and um, I'm one of the uh, 
founding members of a of a kitchen cray. Uh, we're located in the uh, DMV area. We have a restaurant in uh, Atlanta, Maryland, and we're opening up a second location in um, DC, right off of H Street. So that was my starting point. Um, from there, uh, I worked at Marcus Table, the nonprofit in DC, as a food educator. And uh, right now, I'm just uh, you know kind of focusing on you know impacting the community, you know, getting uh, children. Um, and adults alike interested in eating healthy and then also showing them shortcuts on how to, you know, prepare healthier options when it comes to, you know, their regular uh, diet and, you know, just having fun doing so. For sure. So let's go into Kitchen Cray a bit. I mean, I was looking at your Instagram for that. It looks delicious. It's like all the Southern comfort food. <laughs> I mean, what's all is on the menu there? What's the best thing you guys got there? And yeah, go into Kitchen Cray a little bit, get some people out there. And I'm sure you guys have obviously had to make a change through coronavirus and everything. Also. All right. So we're currently uh, doing a lot of online orders. Um, but I, I would say our, like one of our uh, signature dishes is definitely our lobster mac and cheese. That was actually featured on the, uh, on the, the Food Network. Okay. Um, yeah, our shrimp and grits, our chicken and French toast. Uh, we have a lot of great selections. For sure. So what are some restaurants that you worked at maybe around the district uh, as you were kind of coming up as a chef? Uh, one restaurant, actually, uh, they closed down a few years ago. It's, it was called The Red Sky in uh, Laurel, Maryland. Okay. Um, and let me see. I also worked for um, Sedexo, but I didn't work at too many restaurants. Um my uh, background is more so with uh, being a private chef, so bringing that restaurant experience to the client. So I could, for example, come to your house and give you a five-star quality um, experience okay. right in your dining room and, you know, take over your kitchen and, you know, use nice. whatever ingredients you have and give you like a five-star quality meal nice. that you probably pay like 75 to 100 bucks at, at any other restaurant. Wow. So what's your kind of go-to meal to cook is there if somebody's like hey man just come over but like make whatever just make us something good do you have like one meal that's kind of always go-to for you uh really depends on um what the client likes you know everybody has like different diets nowadays you have your vegans and people that practice keto um but i would say um on an average a lot of people like to um get like you know salmon shrimp you know, they, a lot of people in this area practice the pescatarian diet. So definitely a lot of salmon and shrimp and vegetables, um, you know, so things of that nature. Gotcha. So you mentioned kind of having clients and going to clients house. So kind of a two part question here, who's the most famous person you've gone and cooked for? And if there's one person in just the entire history of the world, you know, the past, the present, whatever that you could cook one meal for, who would it be? I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say the highest profile person, there's been a few, um, but uh, Kevin Hart being one. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, Kevin Hart. Um, also cooked for Wale at his house, the rapper Wale. Okay. Like right uh, here around DMV. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nice. Wale, Megan Good, the actress. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot. I would have to, like, think back. But, yeah, like the eight years that I've been cooking, and I've been, I've been very blessed to, uh, you know, um, have a lot of i've been very blessed to cook for a lot of high profile people and yeah i mean two solid name drops right there exactly wale kevin hart are you kidding me that was probably awesome because exactly. i mean i'd imagine too you kind of get to just hang around too like a kevin hart like that was probably a wild experience just kind of hanging around yeah he was and- he was actually um doing his show out here um we had cooked for him at the uh 
at Capital One Center when he uh, did his show. And then oh, we, right. And then we had traveled out to Philly and, uh, you know, cooked for him at his show out there. Nice. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely a blast. And then one person you wish you could cook for, maybe, like I said, either past or present. Yeah, so definitely uh, that would be my favorite athlete of all time. That's Paul Career. If I could cook for Career, like, I would be set. And, you know, he's definitely been that uh, as far as, like, sports and, you know, just as far as people that impact me personally, he's been that person. So there's one person I, that I could cook for would definitely be him. So let's kind of get into that. I mean, you got the shirt on, you got the Ducks yeah. hat on. How'd you get into hockey? How'd you become a big Ducks fan, a Paul Korea fan? I mean, just take us through it. And I'm sure your love for the game has only grown from there. It has. I got into hockey uh, in 1995, um, watching the movie D2, The Mighty Ducks, repeatedly. Okay, great um, movie. So, yeah, great movie. So before that, like, I had no interest in hockey. I, I'm, honestly, I never was a, I was never exposed to the sport um, until after watching those, those movies as a kid. And it was Keenan Thompson's character, uh, Russ right. Tyler, when he did right. the knuckle puck. Knuckle puck. I could. I felt like I could relate to his character because when I was younger, I looked like him a lot. Okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. So I kind of so felt like it was me. Like I felt kind of felt like you know that right. was me in the movie. So um, just from watching that movie repeatedly, that got me interested in um, the sport. So it, you know, so at the time I was twelve years old, I asked my dad for a pair of rollerblades. So I started skating. I started watching NHL hockey and living in uh, New York, you know, in the uh, tri-state area, you know, I get a lot of Rangers, Islanders, and Devils games. So I was watching them a lot. And then I remember right. it was a 96 All-Star game that, that was in Boston that year. And Korea was the uh, only representative of the Ducks at the All-Star game. So with me loving the movie and seeing that there was actually a real, a real Ducks team, right? automatically I was like, okay, he's cool. He's my favorite player. So from then on, when, he, uh, when the Ducks got Timu Solani, um, yeah. I started, you know, watching the Ducks. And living in New York, we only, I would only be able to see them whenever they played the Tri-State area teams or whenever ESPN would play their games. So is, are the Ducks your main team to this day still? The Ducks are my main team. I'm not – it took me a while to, uh, you know um, – it took a while for those new the, – the, the new uh, uniforms and – and then all that to grow. I mean, the stuff. shit you got on is still the best they've ever had. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. To this day, I'm still a Ducks fan. I was able to uh, travel to Anaheim uh, a couple of years ago to see uh, Korea get his number retired. Nice. And I got to go. I got to travel to Toronto to see uh, Korea and Solani get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Nice. Never had a chance to meet Korea, but I met Solani on uh, a few occasions. So, hoping to get that uh, chance one day. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's that's one way to get in there. That's kind of crazy. But, yeah, the, the old duck stuff, like I said, that you're wearing is by far the coolest shit they've ever worn. So, I mean, so do you go, do you go out and see them every time they come to D.C.? Which I is, do. like, only once a year, but once or twice yeah, a year. Yeah, I, I definitely but, come out to see them um, whenever they're in D.C. Um, I get to uh, listen to them a lot, you know, um, through streaming their games on the radio or if they're playing on, uh, you know, if they're playing on any of the – if they're playing the, cap, you know, Caps on TV, like, Whenever the cats, whenever the Capitals get to travel to Anaheim, so sure. been, yeah. And in addition to that, I've been very blessed to be connected in the hockey community community out here as well. So yeah, I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, you've coached yeah. for Neil Henderson over there at Fort Dupont. That's a yeah. such a historic program. So many mm -hmm. that gives so many kids in the city here an opportunity. I've I've had buddies that I play with that I've played with up into the highest levels almost that have come out of that program. It's incredible. Right. So talk about coaching there, talk about coaching under Neil and just learning from him. 
Yeah, it was just an honor. Yeah, like just learning under him. Like I, 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 at the time, I, when I when I was coaching for him, I was just soaking all of his, all of that information up like a sponge. You know, watching how we uh, interacted, how, watching how we interacted with the kids, and you know, just seeing how the kids are so passionate about the game, especially in an area where hockey, you know, may not be the most popular sport. So you know. I just brought my passion and did the best that I could as far as, you know, the coaching came. So that was definitely one of the highlights of uh, my and hockey. I'm, and I'm sure you could probably make some banging pregame meals. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah. we, so you still play. Uh, I think you play some men's league. I was reading because we were actually slotted to be on the same team for the uh, Play for a Purpose charity <laughs> event. Yeah. So I need to know, like, what kind of line mate I could possibly be having here and whatnot. But, uh, yes, yeah, so talk about you still playing some men's league. Where are you playing at? And how much um, are you on the ice? Well, uh, before the pandemic, uh, the last time that I played competitive last time that I played played competitively was uh, this past September, um, you know, because you know work and everything got in the way. But I was playing at a uh, Piney Orchard uh, C level, okay. playing with my team called the Smash. So uh, nice. shout out to the Smash. Um, you know we uh, we were doing better uh, this this past season, but uh, you know, and I was looking forward to playing uh, this summer. But you yeah. know, once the pandemic hit, it kind of messed messed my plans up. Right, because we were about a week away from that charity game there, and it did they yeah, shut it down. I was, I was looking forward to that one a lot. I mean, it's not been canceled yet. It's still going to happen. So looking forward yeah. to that. So I kind of want to get back to something here. You said you went to your dad at 12. You said, Dad, get, let's get me a pair of roller skates. And you post pictures still. Just you blade around the city. You're blading around Maryland. You're blading around wherever. I mean, how often are you out blading? I mean, is that kind of just get back to your roots there from when you first started? You just like roller skating around? Yeah, man. Um, honestly, I had to start from the bottom up. So um, I, I remember my dad took me and my brother to the store, to the uh, the local sports authority, and mm -hmm. got a pair of rollerblades. Got my first hockey stick and some. Got me got me a pair of gloves. Right. Every day after school, uh, whenever we finish our homework, we would just go out and shoot. We would just practice mm -hmm. shooting inside of a, like in a garbage can using a tennis ball or um, a roller hockey ball or whatever, we, like whatever we could find, you know, and my passion from there just grew. I, you know, I, I just needed to be around the game. I needed, right. to, be, I needed to have friends that liked hockey. Right. You know, like, I wanted to learn more. That's why I watched, you know, NHL games so much. That's why, you know, um, at the time I had a PlayStation. I, ha I had all the NHL games for PlayStation. So hockey, I, I was a hockey nerd. So anything hockey, I needed to be around it. For sure. So let's get to that. I mean, what are your thoughts on this 2014 playoff format, how the NHL is kind of getting back into everything? What, do you, what are your thoughts on I mean, I, I know the Ducks were s still not able to make that top 24. Yeah, we got but, a lot uh, of work to do. <laughs> you got a lot of work to do. You had some hella good years. But, uh, yeah, let's get yeah. to that. What are your thoughts on the, the playoff format and everything? What are you looking forward to out of it? I like it. Um, I'm glad that, th that they're going to be in two different cities. Yeah. Better than, you know, everybody being crammed in one. And I, I am happy that um, – you know, they have a format where they could cancel the regular season, just go straight to the playoffs. Just so it won't, like, nothing will be prolonged. Because, cause, you know, the, the sooner they get started with, you know, the, the playoffs and eventually awarding a Stanley Cup, a Cup winner, then we can move to the draft and, you know, start from there. And then, you know, get prepped for uh, the 2020 to 2021 season. 
Yeah, that, that, that's the craziest thing is that it might be it's the, the next season might not start till the Winter Classic on January 1st, which is right. kind of nuts. That's crazy. So we'll see. So we'll finish it with this. I mean, we were talking about it beforehand. There's a lot going on right now. I mean, you're a DMV-based chef. If you aren't seeing the video here, you're an African-American chef. I mean, what are your thoughts on everything going on right now? I mean, we're a platform. That's the beauty of this. We're a brand. We're a platform. So we can give people a voice to come out and talk about things. I mean, so what, what, right. what are your thoughts on everything that's going on right now? I mean... It's just, um, it's just sad that an unfortunate circumstance mm -hmm. like this has to be the reason why people have to come together. I feel like, you know, it's, it's sad that somebody had to die like that, right. publicly like that, in order for people to kind of wake up and see that racism is so huge in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I guess, like, the, the way that I look at it, take that negative um, situation turn that into a positive, you know, hopefully everybody around the world can wake up and, you know, see what, 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 you know, see what's happening here and then try to make a change for the better, you know, for the better. So for sure. Yeah. And like you said, it, it sucks that something like that's got to happen because you see, I mean, obviously the death of somebody's terrible, but you see little cases every now and then, and especially in our sport of hockey still, which is, which is crazy. I mean, it's like you said those little instances should take should get the same reaction instead of waiting and waiting and letting it build up until something bad as bad as a death actually does happen and and causes all of this and this is what it takes right so yes it's it's, it's crazy it's, it's crazy. tough stuff man for sure but, but um, um i am but, happy to see the nhl you know move in the right direction with at least addressing it you know it's always been that big elephant in the room that right. was never really addressed. So, especially in a predominantly white sport that is hockey. Exactly. So, I am happy to, you know, I'm, I, I am happy that the NHL is moving toward the right direction with at least addressing it, and then from there, you know, seeing everybody grow from that, and uh, you know, hopefully, 10, 15 years from now, we'll be in a much better situation. Sure. Who are some of the guys in the NHL that you've seen really come out and make an impact? I mean, obviously, Evander Kane has always got a lot to say, and he's very passionate about it. P.K. Subban donating all the time, a lot of money. But who are some other guys that you have might have seen from our sport that have come out and you know, publicly uh, put their support out? I saw Logan Couture. He had, tweet, mm -hmm. he had uh, posted something. And uh, I saw Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Taves had uh, you know, posted something as well um, concerning the matter. Um, the only – player in the Ducks I remember seeing posting anything was uh, Adam Henry on Twitter. So, um, you know, they're starting to, I'm, I am happy that Evander Kane, right. you know, was able to, you know, kind of break that mold and just kind of start, you know, kind of start what we're seeing happen right now, you know. And, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, we just got to see and hope that hope for the best, honestly, and not only our sport, but, you know, the entire world. But Chef Jojo, man, like I said, it was a pleasure. It's awesome having you on. Well, it's a different conversation. It's the opportunity. And, uh, you yeah. know, I'm definitely a big supporter of you guys. And congratulations on uh, all, the, all of your success. And uh, hopefully, you know, once this pandemic is over, we can get together. And I was I about could, to uh, say, because you know, like that, that the damn lobster stuff. mac and cheese that I keep looking at on yeah. you know, the kitchen cray is just driving yeah. me nuts because I was scrolling through that Instagram earlier like, holy yeah. shit, like this is all <laughs> delicious. So as soon as things are back to normal, man, we'll have to do like a live a live recording or something at one of your places. We'll get some food, Absolutely. we'll talk some hockey, and we'll have a good time. And we still got a uh, charity game to play in together. So we'll, we'll see you right. then. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. appreciate it.
Peace in me. 